0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week's episode recorded live at the Gothic Theater in beautiful Denver, Colorado.
1: Beautiful, mile-high Denver, Colorado, another stop on our Frontier Justice Tour of the West, and it featured our friend the great David Bory.
0: Literally one of the funniest comedians in the world. Oh, there are few in comedy I love as much as I love the great David Bory. One of the funniest best guys in the history of entertainment as far as i'm concerned this was a great show i'm really excited to hear it let's go to the stage at the gothic theater denver colorado you've come to us desperate for justice and we're here at the gothic theater to deliver it let's bring out our first set of litigants please welcome paul and chris Tonight's case, Buy Me, Subpoenas, and Cracker Jack. Paul brings the case against his friend, Chris. Chris has stopped believing in baseball superstitions and jinxes. He says his behavior can't affect the outcome of a baseball game. Paul says his friend's carelessness has jinxed the team. Who's right, who's wrong, only one can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers an obscure cultural reference.
1: People, people at the time asked me, did you know she was going to become so famous? And I say, no, I didn't. But she did. Bailiff Jesse Thorne,
0: please swear them in. Uh, Paul and Chris please rise and raise your right hands do you swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God or whatever yes I do (laughs) do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite the fact the only uh, sport he follows is uh, a horse race gambling and not a wholesome trotting race but a race where they set down right on the horse
2: yes I do
0: makes her blood boil I should say (laughs) Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Paul and Chris, you may be seated. You've got a lot of energy coming off of you. Which one of you is Paul? I'm Paul. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> for the at-home listener, Paul is... Um, believes he's on the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> According to visual evidence.
1: You've got five hours of energy coming off of you, and I should <laughs> yes, know. I do. Paul and Chris, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment. One of your favorites, can either of you name the piece of culture that I referenced as I entered the courtroom. Uh, it says you're Paul, why don't you go first? No, Chris, you go first. <laughs> you wanna hear it again? I'm sorry, yes, please. <laughs> okay, so this is a podcast. <laughs> and I, 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 I make an obscure cultural reference, and if you can guess the source of it, then you automatically win the case. So here, here is that obscure cultural reference again. People at the time asked me, did you know she was going to become so famous? And I say, no, I didn't, but she did. Who am I quoting, Chris? Any guesses? One guess? Madonna. Madonna.
0: It's a great guess. She's a celebrity entertainer.
1: That's true. (laughs) Who is Madonna talking about in that (laughs) quote?
3: Was I on the right track? (laughs) Actually, yes. Paul? Uh, Tina Turner.
1: Tina Turner. Okay. So the person is talking about someone else. <laughs> the
3: think... bodyguard. Kevin Costner. Okay.
1: <laughs> Kevin Costner think... talking
0: about Tina Turner. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Right. <laughs> Do you think that Kevin Costner goes by the bodyguard Kevin Costner? That's I right. Didn't... Like Jesse the Body Ventura? <laughs> and, and Chris, your guess
1: is Kevin Costner talking about Madonna. Would that be your guess? Yes. Okay, no, do you, have, do you have another guess? You seem to be wanting to say something.
0: And given that it's podcast, that'd be good. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, Your Honor, I don't. I'm... Okay, no, that's great. Great guesses. No. Kevin <laughs> Costner and Madonna, the whole thing was great. Yeah, it's all great.
1: <laughs> but all guesses are wrong. I was quoting someone named Bonnie Erickson. Paul, do you know who Bonnie Erickson is? I do not. Do you know who she was speaking of?
3: Kevin Costner? No.
1: (laughs) People at the time asked, did you know she was going to become so famous? And I say, no, I didn't. But she did. She was speaking of Miss Piggy. Why was Bonnie Erickson talking about Miss Piggy? Chris, guess? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is, Bonnie Erickson worked for Muppet Studios, and she designed Miss Piggy. She also designed Statler and Waldorf and Zoot. And she also designed someone that is close to your heart, Paul, even if you don't know it. Someone or something called the Philly Fanatic, Paul. How does that make you feel, Paul? It feels
3: very bad. It feels really bad. You should know. Not for the last time, I'm sure. Yes.
1: So who seeks justice? Since we have to hear this case, who seeks justice in this court? I do, Your Honor. And what is the nature of the justice you seek?
3: Well... Like Bale of Jesse said, Chris has stopped believing in baseball jinxes, which is fine for his team. Yes, the Seattle Mariners, the I Seattle see. Seahawks. But when he breaks them out and they affect my team, I'm seeking an injunction to prevent him from jinxing my team.
1: Now your team is the Philadelphia Phillies. It is. You are wearing their costumery right now. I am. And um, they uh, they they came in second in the World Series. Is that I guess correct? So. That's right. Which yes. is. An honor unto itself.
3: That's true. It's true.
1: And that's because Chris jinxed them.
3: He did, yes. How did Chris jinx them? So Chris and I run together uh, regularly, and we talk a lot about sports. We talk about a lot of things. Uh, but when we talk about sports, we try to respect each other's teams. Both of our teams made the playoffs this year, his for the first time in 20 years. And, you know, we, we tried to avoid stepping on each other's teams with jinxes until the last day of the season, When Chris said, during a run, sort of cavalierly, the Phillies... Hang
2: on, hang on. Chris, do you remember what you said? I I do, only... I've been reminded of it a few
1: times. (laughs) Just for the purpose of dramatic reenactment, right, can
2: you say it? What Paul claims I jinxed him on was that the Phillies had kept the Astros-designated hitter, Jordan Alvarez, in check.
4: Ooh. Yeah. (laughs)
1: What a spooky incantation.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul, what does that mean and why should I care? <laughs> well,
3: I certainly cared because Jordan Alvarez, who, by the way, hit a game winning home run against his Mariners earlier in the playoffs, hit a World Series winning home run against my Phillies that night.
1: I see. So he what did he do? What was the jinx? He mentioning the name
3: speaking at all because it is unusual for
1: Chris.
3: <laughs> saying specifically that we had kept this player in check while the World Series was still happening. To say something is going well for your team Oh, I see. is immediately going to upend it. It's like saying it's like saying the words no hitter during a no hitter. You're going to wreck it.
1: You're going to be right, of course, because you have incredible mental powers. That's true.
3: Everyone does. It's true. We all
1: do. (laughs) That's exactly right. Everything,
0: every fan does. They're incredible mental powers that can only be challenged by taking off your hat, folding it in half, and then putting it on top of your head like a shark's fin. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Chris, how do you
1: respond to this accusation that you jinxed the Phillies and lost them the World Series and made Paul
2: sad and 1% less bubbly? Right. I mean, it's an amazing feeling knowing you had that power. <laughs> um, that part I, I do relish. I, honestly, I don't believe in jinxes at all anymore. I don't believe in the power of a, of a fan to jinx their team. And I base that on, on a decade, or decades of supporting Seattle sports. <laughs>
1: There clearly is no order in the universe. (laughs) Destiny has no authorship. (laughs) We are destined to cycle into oblivion. (laughs) Look around you. That's my quote of Chris. Uh, Paul, this is not the first time you've been part of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Is that
3: not correct? That is correct.
1: Indeed, it's not even the second time. It's not. You've been... Part of my life. Is
3: that not correct? That's true. I see you backing up. Yeah.
1: Why... (laughs) Explain to me your previous intrusions into my life and explain why I should not be calling security right now.
3: (laughs) So, I was a litigant on episode 113. 113. Uniform code of power. Before
1: many of you were born.
3: (laughs) It was 10 years ago. It was June of 2013. It was five-hour energy drink had just been invented. <laughs> uh, it was uniform code of podcast justice. Yes. And my friend Jeremy brought the case against me that I should not be allowed to wear Phillies gear to a game in which the Phillies were not playing. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: So we, I submitted as evidence a picture of us at Dodger Stadium in a game between the Dodgers and the Reds in 2009. Wearing this. That outfit.
0: Including the Crocs. So what we're seeing here is a cotton, classic, early 1980s style Philadelphia, like a Mike Schmidt style Phillies hat. Got on uh, one of the little star dot Phillies uniforms, like a Darren Dalton type uniform. And then Crocs, like a real jerk would wear. (laughs) (laughs) Well... So, and Judge
3: Hodgman, you commented at the time that it was a, a mixed bag of, you know, different versions of the Phillies' uh, brand identity. You did call it, during that podcast, you called it my Phillies clown outfit.
1: Yes, because you were wearing a, a, a motley fool arrangement of it's Phillies swag. It's true. And I never had a chance to see it in person, <laughs> and, nor did I particularly want to.
3: Here it is. But here we are. It- <laughs> But the other time, yes. the first time we interacted, you the ruled time. in your New York Times column net. So even before New York that,
1: Times magazine sorry, column. New Judge York Jim Times Hodgeman.
3: magazine column net. That's right. I don't want to be associated with the failing New York Times
1: newspaper <laughs> as opposed to the thriving New York Times magazine.
3: <laughs> but I, I wrote to you about my collection of ice cream helmets yes. from baseball games.
1: And, That's right, I
3: recall now. Right. And I you, didn't
1: know that you were the same person. I'm the same, the same person,
3: yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, you commented, uh, just to make a long story short, you commented that the difference between... Well, a how hoard, many did you have? At the time, I had maybe 50 or 60. And how many do you have now? About 430. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and at the time, you said the difference between a hoarder and a collector... Is a display case. That's
1: true. That was the origin of that. That is was the guy? origin of that quote, of which that, you have repeated uh, of many that times. Judge John Hodgman quote, "Yeah, but that time you had sixty of
3: them. <laughs> I did. Yeah, and they were ordered out of my kitchen cabinets." Uh, if I may, I actually did bring gifts for you and bailiff Jesse mm. Mm. from the collection. I have a Portland Sea Dogs oh, ice cream sure. helmet.
1: That's a, a minor league team in Portland, Maine. A
3: Double A affiliate of uh, the Boston Red Sox. Uh huh. That's and also
1: this, a sports team. I know my yeah, stuff.
3: Right. And so this is the uh, the summertime fun time minor league baseball's Portland Sea Dogs. Sure. Jesse, I had a little harder time coming up with a uh, a, a good gift for him, but a year ago this month, Jesse had as a guest on Bullseye Alan Tudick from the TV show Firefly.
1: That's right, we were just talking about TUDIC last night. Love Tudick. That's right.
3: <laughs> and so I have brought for Jesse a helmet from the Columbia Fireflies.
1: From the Columbia uh, Fireflies. A high A
3: affiliate of the well, Kansas City Well, I, I would
1: ask our road producer, Richard Roby to come out here, please, and take these things away from you, <laughs> <laughs> and off the stage, and do the standard uh, poison testing.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Very generous of you. In, in your New York Times magazine column net, yeah. you refer to them as garbage toys.
1: <laughs> well, Paul, it's nice to see you again. <laughs> what What was the name of the person that uh, that you had the dispute with when you were on uh, the the, uh, the live bo- the podcast?
3: His name was Jeremy,
1: and he's obviously not in your life anymore.
3: No, he is. He's one of my very good friends. Mm-hmm.
1: Chris. How much did he pay you to be here? (laughs) Obviously, you don't have a dispute. It's clear you have no idea where you are or why. I'm not actually sure that you've ever met Paul before. I kind of feel like there was a Craigslist ad going, will someone pretend to be in a fight with me so that I can skip the meet and greet line at the Judge Sean Odgman show and present my tokens live on stage for my own sick amusement? Is that not what happened? Don't wait for the translation, Chris. Answer the question.
2: This is a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm going to ask you a series of simple questions that you can answer, truthfully, I hope. Yes. I'll remind you you're under fake oath. Do you know Paul? I do. Are you his friend? I am. How long have you been his friend? 15 years. Oh, okay. Very good. Is he always like this? He's passionate, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So you are, you are here in, in, a, in a good faith effort to resolve a dispute because you don't like being accused of jinxing the
2: yeah. Philadelphia Phillies. Absolutely. I, well, I don't mind jinxing the Phillies. Okay. <laughs> but I don't, I don't honestly feel I have the power to do so. Was there a time that you believed in superstitions? 100%. I spent most of my life thinking I could impact the Mariners and the Seahawks. And it turns out I can't. And it, yeah.
1: <laughs> what ways would you attempt to impact their performance on the on the baseball pitch and the Yeah, so whatever.
4: What in was the, the other fo- team that you like the Seahawks? <laughs> the Seahawks? In the football sphere. That's a
1: foot yeah, in the foot in the football sphere. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so I think
2: it's like most fans. Like, would. would you wear
1: a special hat and they'd get one more into the score hole or something? Or <laughs> a, little, a little like that. Did you have a Did you have a, a Phillies clown outfit you would wear? Or I, I don't. I don't. Was have there a, a podcaster you would stalk and if, like? <laughs> if I could just
2: talk to him, the Mariners will go all the way. Sadly, no. Um, I, I, I don't think I did anything out of the ordinary from uh, a fan. I don't know
1: anything about sports, so just <laughs> please establish what is ordinary vis-a-vis superstitions. What right. kinds of things would you do or not do in so, order to affect the outcome of these games?
2: So, um, so the the Seattle Mariners have been in the playoffs very few times in my life, uh, and as a as a you know grown man, there 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 should have been a lot of games to be involved in. So I would... Uh, I'm sorry to pause. Oh, sorry. Paul, he,
1: he, Chris claims he's known you for about 15 years. That's true. Does he always sound so sad, or just when talking about scenarios? Because Chris, it's heartbreaking. It's Chris, genuinely heartbreaking.
3: I do, can I say... I just want to say, Chris is a salesman, professionally. His job... He's in sales.
2: <laughs> do I sound sad? That makes me feel bad. Well,
0: no, I mean... It's, it's because of the mariners it's not John it's not exactly sadness that animates the Mariners. It's the example of their great hero, Ichiro, who until he was forty eight years old, just spent the whole winter hitting fungos in a frozen baseball stadium in Japan so he could come back for one more not playoffs year in Seattle. <laughs> you relate to that right? absolutely yeah. <laughs> it's a sort of there's a sort of honor in the toil in the minds of failure
1: i understand i understand so what would you do in order to try to make it go
2: if i'm at a game i I could easily be on the concourse watching through my hands um if i'm at home because you're afraid that if
1: you witness if if they know that you're watching they will fail that's true let someone, right let it let it be known that members of the audience are saying that is
2: absolutely true right right so 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 if i if I'm watching through my fingers and we get a hit, then I have to continue to do that. May right? I see
1: how you would i mean will you show me how you would watch through your fingers? Yeah, so
2: well, I'd, I'd be holding a beer here and then I'm like this <laughs> right, right you
1: form a form a little. Twin huggers from Alien mask for yourself. Right. Okay, I got you. Um, I really painted a word picture there for the <laughs> at-home
2: audience. And I think I took it to a... I could a, have said
1: f- fleshy goalie <laughs> mask, but I think the twin face huggers really brings it home. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just complimenting myself. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball's my, my true passion, is, is Paul's... Um, but I, but I let it spill over into football as well, mm-hmm. and I um, uh, regretfully uh, got my kids involved. Right. So you asked for an example, one of That's, them, and I, I don't I don't know if I can bring uh, uh, evidence, but I did. No, bring... I'm happy to handle
1: anything that you hand me. <laughs> let me take a look. Okay. I'll touch this stuff, these gloves that you brought, and I touch them to my face. <laughs> Give them a smell. I have no fear. Careful. Yeah. I have no fear from you, unless this has all been set up by Paul, <laughs> my Moriarty. I know that he's going. I know that he's going to confiscate my two garbage hats. I'll plant two poison gloves in the in the pocket of my henchman Chris. Hodgman will surely breathe deep. <laughs>
2: What's the meaning of these gloves? So these are uh, these are Seattle Seahawk gloves. Back when uh, when Russell Wilson played for us. Um, Ooh! Wow! <laughs> I went there. I went there.
1: Uh, so are the Seahawks uh, rivals with the with the Denver football
2: team, the Broncos? Wow! I did my research. I think they used to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they used to be. So you would
1: bring your children to the game, and you had these gloves. Well,
2: so this is this is even deeper than that. My son and I, my my two boys, Ryan and Jacker, and I are watching the uh, Seahawks play the Minnesota Vikings. This is a playoff game about six, seven years ago. The Vikings are about to win with a twenty-five foot chip shot. to beat us in the wild card game. It's a sports metaphor about sports. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. Super easy. Like, I'm sure people here remember this game. It's a given that the Vikings are going to beat the Hawks. And right before the shot, I throw these gloves to my son, Ryan, put these on, good luck gloves. The kid misses the chip shot for the Vikings. And the Wait, senior... your son missed the shot? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> If I believed in jinxes, yes, my son made the shot miss. Right, but this—that's why you have the gloves, but no son anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Seahawks win the game because I threw my son these gloves.
1: Oh no, that was a good thing. Right, my you poor son—I uh, remember.
2: My poor son thinks that jinxes are a, a, a real deal because of me, and, and uh, I think that's completely irresponsible of me. I think it's—I think it's crazy to think that that we have power over what happens on the field. And that was my point with jinxes. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. Well, I especially- may, may I, just for the listeners at home, <laughs>
1: there, was, there was a very intense look shared between Paul and Chris. Between the first and second,
2: I don't believe in them. The, the real reason though, uh, Your Honor, I don't believe in them is because if they were true, the the Mariners would have won five World Series in the last cup like last ten years, let's say. Okay. So you would only be using the gloves every other year for the <laughs> Mariners?
1: <laughs> so does your does your son still believe in he, jinx in he,
2: sports jinxing? He he does, and I and I that's a failing as me of a parent to pass this on. That you need to spend your time worrying and think you're responsible as if you're paying this premium to get, a, to get wins later on in life, it's, it doesn't exist. Chris, this is a ridiculous.
0: Everyone knows that our jinxes fight with everyone else's jinxes. So we have to do as many reverse jinxes as we can. So we've done more reverse jinxes than the other people have. Right, it's, the Giants have won three World Series in the last 15 years. I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's anyway. a good point,
1: Chris. Who's to say that? The... <laughs> Let the record show that Jesse has put his hat on upside down and is making the sign of the double face hugger. <laughs> what would be what would be a, a, an example of a reverse jinx? Anyone on stage who knows about sports?
0: Well, anything Chris? could be lucky. Not changing her underpants, for example. I mean, that's one of the luckiest things there is. Well, being on tour has brought me a lot of luck, then.
2: (laughs) Chris, what
1: would be a... Hang on, Paul! (laughs) Chris, what what would be a reverse jinx?
2: Your Honor, thank you for asking. um, Betting on your team, which is something I I didn't do for for 15 years before I finally said, to hell with this, I'm going to bet on the Mariners, I'm going to do a reverse jinx, to your point, sir, with the awesome mustache. Um, that that it doesn't matter what I do. And so you the, know what?
0: I'll take ten of whatever it is that you're selling. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was an incredible maneuver. Judge Hodge. All of ooh. a sudden I'm over here going, What the heck? I yeah. want to buy whatever you're selling too. Why is he in love with my bailiff?
0: I also have a mustache. <laughs> You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join.
1: The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. When Chris said that thing that cost the the Phillies the World Series, was there anything you could do, any kind of special dance Mm -hmm. or laundering habit or (laughs) toothpicking or anything that you could do to undo the damage that Chris did?
3: Well, you have to act swiftly in this instance. And the reverse jinx is really important. And so I said, hey, Jordan Alvarez... He's amazing. He's an unrivaled talent on the Houston Astros. They're the better team. They're definitely going to win. You saw what Jordan Alvarez can do yourself. Clearly, he's going to break through at some point. And the power of my reverse jinx was no match for his, you know, careless... You know. So
1: the reverse jinx is saying your team sucks and they're going yeah. to lose. Yes, that. Right. Yeah. And the jinx was him saying your team is pretty good and they're going to win. Yeah, exactly. Ah, I see. Yeah. And by saying those two sentences, what have I wrought in this universe? <laughs> I feel like I'm just a butterfly who just flapped its
3: wings in Indonesia. This is really important, because at the time of this recording, we are 10 days away from the Super Bowl, in which which my Philadelphia Eagles... That's a
1: famous football fight.
3: (laughs) ...are about to play. I've been doing my best to keep my distance from Chris. He is invited to the Super Bowl party, but... I'm worried about whatever he's going to say that's going to ruin the Eagles' chances in the Super Bowl. And what it would
1: be would be anything positive about the Eagles whatsoever.
3: Any any assured statement? Any any,
1: any yeah any assurance that, of course, they're going to do. I'm not saying I'm it.
3: even nervous <laughs> with you saying it right no, now. No, no, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. But yes, that. That's the sort of thing, and it would make you very upset. It
3: yeah, would. Well, it would ruin the Eagles' chances. I'm trying to do everything I can to win the Eagles a Super Bowl here.
1: <clears throat> I have to, s- and I'm sure all of Philadelphia thanks you.
3: <laughs> They're doing what they can too.
1: There are batteries with your name on them
3: in Philadelphia. Go, birds.
1: You know, I'll, I'm going to give you a shot here, Paul. Okay. To finally say something. <laughs> you know, Chris makes the point that he had this awakening uh, that. When his son started believing in jinxes, he felt as a father that was an irresponsible thing to do because it is a kind of magical thinking that you are going to be able to affect, or that, not even affect, but that outcomes that you have no influence over will be affected by the way you think, act, or feel, which can cause a lot of anxiety. It makes me nervous. What are some of the fun upsides (laughs) of feeling terrified all the time that your friend Chris is going to say the wrong thing.
3: (laughs) I, I, And first of all, I'm speaking as a person who has driven both of my children away from team sports. Neither one of them could care less about uh, team sports at this point. But, I mean, my response to that is what's wrong with magical thinking? Magical thinking is a great thing. We're all, you know, team sports, watching team sports, you're watching grown men in pajamas throw a ball around, right? I get that. I understand it. But, what you know? to me, it feels like you're part of something bigger than yourself if you feel like you are like you have some sort of effect. And so to me, sports superstitions, I'm not a religious person. They turn you into a living god. They turn you into a living god. Based entirely on which sofa cushion you're sitting on. So...
1: <laughs> Plenty of world religions are based on less. That's
3: what I'm saying. To to me, there's a, there's a beauty in this, what you describe as magical thinking. I think that that's a beautiful thing, and I like
0: being a part of it. Judge Hodgman, if I could explain to you in literary terms. Thank you. You've, you've probably read Joan Didion's book, My Year of Magical Thinking, oh, yes. about the 1987 Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> <laughs>
4: It a real page-turner. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're coming up on the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Your beloved Philadelphia Eagles.
3: Mm-hmm. Eagles.
1: How dare you? <laughs> Your beloved bird team will either do well or poorly. True. See how I threaded that needle? Everything's still up in the air. You're asking me to forbid your friend Chris from saying anything that could possibly jinx them. Yes. Chris, how do
2: you feel about that? It's just tricky, right? Like, where do I I start and stop with that?
1: Well, you could possibly talk about something other than sports. (laughs) Tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, it's a tough one. Tough one, Judge. <laughs> let, let, let the record show that Chris is also chewing some gum in a charismatic way and looks like an extremely handsome retired baseball player.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, Chris definitely plays the game the right way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it would be an imposition to you? To not be able to speak to your friend until the Super Bowl is over?
2: He he did invite me to his house for the party.
1: Oh. Doesn't it give you some pleasure to know how much power you will wield at that party? There's so much that you could get (laughs) Paul to do.
2: I hadn't thought of that, but... (laughs) And I don't mean it I, don't, I wouldn't want to do that to him I, w- I wouldn't because um, I agree I, I love sports for the way it brings everyone together right um, there's probably Mariner fans in here right now there's all kinds of us and we just yeah I don't
1: <laughs> do you remember do you remember when the audience booed you for mentioning a different team
0: also well, remember it was exactly a
1: kumbaya moment <laughs>
0: Also, remember when you said you love the way sports brings people together, (laughs) next to a Philly sports guy? (laughs) So, if I were to rule
2: in your favor, how would you have me rule? Can you say that there's no such thing as sports jinxes? I can say it. (laughs) Is this a technique
0: you learned at a seminar? (laughs) <laughs> Did you get the Judge John Hodgman lead? <laughs>
2: that, that would be my request. Where do I make my investment?
4: <laughs>
1: I feel very empowered now. Do you have an online course? Um... Uh. How would you feel, how would it make you feel in both your rational and your emotional mind, Paul, if I were to say, with all of the godlike power that I've given myself as a fake internet judge, there are no such things as jinxes. This is hypothetical, I'm not saying it. But perhaps that's a jinx itself. You don't even know.
3: Your brain's <laughs> twisting and
1: twisting and doing cartwheels right now, trying to figure out: Is this a jinx? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that's not a jinx. I would be sad. I- I- Incorrect, <laughs> sir. You just
1: don't know what I jinxed. Let the record show that I waved my hand and went.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> How does it make you feel?
3: I would, be, I would be sad, right? I think it would be, uh, it would be sad to, to not believe that we're all part of something bigger that we can influence and be a part of. Stop talking. Okay.
1: This is the question I'm asking you. Okay. Based on my dialectical behavioral therapy that I've been going through, and it's been amazing. When I say there's no such thing as jinxes, describe what your body is doing and how you are feeling.
3: All right. Well, based on my Describe own therapy. Describe your I, feelings. I, I can tell you the, t- the chest is tightening. There's a pit in the stomach. Right. The, the lizard brain, the amygdala, it's all kicking in. It's saying, no, 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 this is wrong. What style of therapy are you doing? I just, I counseling. I don't know. Is it talking to a counselor?
1: Like cognitive behavioral therapy? Yeah, that one. Boo! <laughs>
0: Boo! <laughs> the correct answer was high school vocational. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It makes, I can tell that it makes, it makes you feel nervous. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want that
0: for you, Paul. Thank you. Do you think that you've ever positively influenced your team, Paul?
3: I do, yes. I traded away a bad luck hat to my brother for his good luck hat. And it's been working ever since.
0: So can I ask you how...
3: My brother's you, okay.
0: How'd you sell him a <laughs> How'd you sell him on that one? Was it just a pure act of generosity on his part? No, it was an objectively
3: better hat that I gave him, uh, but I needed it out of my life because when I wore it, the Eagles were losing. When he wears it, they win. He's worn it to the Eagles playoff games.
0: What kind of hat did you get back?
3: It's a uh, Eagles championship hat from 2018.
0: Hmm, seems like kind of a jinx. (laughs) Not yet. Okay, I'm thoroughly confused. And therefore,
1: I think I know everything. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'll be back in a moment with my
0: verdict. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Chris, how are you feeling about your chances
2: here tonight? Did you close? (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think so. I think Paul's got a pretty strong case against me. Paul, how are you feeling?
3: You know, you asked me that question 10 years ago on the podcast, and I said as a Philadelphia sports fan, I live in a constant state of pessimism. I assume I'm going to lose. I'm still there now.
0: Is pessimism a Philadelphia word for rage?
3: (laughs) It's just a constant state of affairs for us. (laughs)
0: Uh, well, we'll see what Judge Hodgman has to say about all this. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and delivers his verdict.
1: You may be seated. Some time ago, I went to a sports contest, professional sports contest, in the sport of ice hockey. Now you know, sure, you <laughs> the the minorist of the major leagues. <laughs> You probably know that I am not a f- I'm a fan of only one sport, which is the sport of extinct hockey. Hockey teams that don't exist anymore. The Hartford Whalers, the Quebec Nordiques, etc. I, I love them because the outcome is known. And it reduces my anxiety. All extinct hockey teams are losers. And I can sympathize with them. But as part of a research project, I went to an actual live non-extinct hockey game being played between the Pittsburgh Penguins and um, another team (laughs) that I don't remember. (laughs) And in advance of this, I was talking to noted uh, uh, public radio hockey correspondent Greg Wyszynski. And Greg told me that he had uh, a, a ritual. He had to have pink lemonade when he went to the hockey game or else his team would lose. And I said... That is goddamn offensive. (laughs) That is an insult because I am not an athlete, nor do I follow sports, but I know that these athletes work very hard. They push themselves and train themselves and study their work day in and day out. And to suggest that somehow your wishing is going to affect their performance is an insult to those professional athletes, in my opinion. I went to the game, and I, but I did ask him, should I bring my uh, Hartford Whalers hat to the game? Uh, because, will that jinx it. And he said, no, I think it'll be fine. I went to the game, and I just felt funny about wearing my Hartford Whalers hat in that, uh, in that ice arena. And it came to, uh, what's a, what, what do you call it, sudden death at the end of hockey? Sudden oh, death. Oh,
0: yeah, overtime. Yeah.
1: Overtime, sudden death. Someone was going to die. Sudden death was at the... And not slow.
0: That's the woes at the end of uh, Joan Didion's *My Year of Magic*. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Final chapter.
1: And the other and the and the other team had one chance to get a goal against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, and then the other team was going to win. But if the Pittsburgh Penguins blocked the goal, game over. Pittsburgh Penguins won. And I was rooting for the Pittsburgh Penguins because I knew the name of the team. So I couldn't help myself. The last second. I put on that Hartford Whalers hat and the Penguins lost because of what I did. (laughs) (laughs) It's a powerful, powerful feeling that you have ruined a hockey game. (laughs) And disappointed fans and you're in Pittsburgh. Who knows what they'll do to you if they ever found out (laughs) that you and your hat lost the game for their team. It is part of my therapy to hold opposite ideas in the same moment. On the one hand, there is the on the one hand, there is the idea we are pattern recognizing animals. We build narratives around us and we are massive egotists. We want to be part of those narratives even when, in fact, the, uh, the tr- all, what is also true is that the universe doesn't care about us, we are an accident of evolution, and we won't last forever, and nothing we do is going to affect anything. We can hold both... <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I expect from a city with legalized marijuana...
0: Uh, in my therapy, they just taught me Yankees suck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These seem like two opposite ideas to hold at the same time, but let me ask you, Paul. Uh, have you uh, Have you ever watched? You watch? Do uh, you have Disney Plus? Yes. Have you watched uh, the Star Wars show called uh, Andor? I have. Yeah. Have I told you what my proposed motto for that show, Andor, is? No. Andor. Why not both?
4: (laughs) Why
0: not both? Unfortunately, this is not a new bit. I think John's about ready to get a tattoo of this bit
1: <laughs> so pumped about it doesn't even make any sense there's and in there it is both <laughs> no. but I'm just trying to get thematically to the idea of why not both why not accept that the universe has no story to it and that we only suffer through it and the egotistical idea that we can affect what people who are much more physically talented than we are do on the field why not both? The problem is that if you accept your point of view, Paul, you are going to suffer. Whereas if, Chris, we follow your point of view, and your son does as well, and recognize that we're meaningless in this universe until we buy what you're selling. <laughs> it's, prof- it's profoundly humbling and even sad, almost as sad as the way you talk. <laughs> But it is also liberating. It felt better to me when I realized that uh, the news made me upset and didn't change because I read it. It's important to be informed, but the compulsive reading of the news or say watching election results or whatever is just making me feel really, really, really bad. Thank me, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, what changes things in the world is activism and direct action, not watching and talking and tweeting and thinking. So what I'm saying to you, Paul, is if, if things aren't going as well on the field as you would like, just get out there, buddy. <laughs> you've, already proven, you've already proven you can insinuate yourself into my life. Talk yourself onto the field. Say I got a couple of toy helmets or whatever. Here's what I'm going to say. Chris, in my opinion, has a healthier worldview than you. But if it gives you happiness and not pain, well, okay. I mean, I guess part of the pleasure of following sports is the pain that it causes you. It's called the Hellraiser Principle. These these jinxes are kind of like your Cenobites Coming to rip your skin off and make you feel terrible. Look at Chris for a sad man, look how happy he is. <laughs> now that he admits that he's about a, a speck of a speck of meaningless dust in an uncountable time in this universe that has no, begin, no meaningful story or purpose. But okay, if you want to feel this way, it's fine. Chris. I am going against my better judgment to find in Paul's favor. Wow. I'm going to find in Paul's favor only because as his friend, you know some of the things that will trigger this anxiety. And you should probably avoid doing that if you know that saying the wrong thing. You know the kinds of things that you could say. You're correct. And happier. And you're and a bet do you have children? Yes. Okay, you're a better father also. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. But I can't take the joy of Paul's pain away from him. Paul, I'm going to rule in your favor, and I'm gonna say that I have absolute confidence. That the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win this No, they're not. This is the oh. sound of the gavel.
0: I hope you have fun. That is all. Paul and Chris, thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast.
5: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
3: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
5: <laughs> Hard to believe.
7: Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks.
3: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
7: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
3: And at
0: MaximumFun.org. We're taking a break from our show at the Gothic Theater. You have a live show coming up for our New York-based friends.
1: I know. I don't. You know, apart from our tour, I don't do as many live shows as I used to, uh, but I have a rare live event coming up here in my hometown of New York City. Selected Shorts, very famous radio program about short stories, asked me to host the McSweeney's 25th Anniversary Extravaganza on May 10th at Symphony Space. And how could I say no? I didn't. I said, yes, I will host it. It's going to be a great night with full of friends and family of McSweeney's reading stories and and sharing memories. I'm hosting it with musical guest Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Fields. I think it's going to be a really special night. And I hope you can come. And I'll tell you what, uh, Symphony Space Selected Shorts, they got special tickets. If you're under 30 years old, 17 bucks. Just in for 17 bucks. Fantastic deal. So uh, check it out. Just Google Selected Shorts, John Hodgman. You'll find it. Jesse, what do you have going on?
0: I have some cool stuff uh on Bullseye and Jordan Jesse Go, my other shows. Yeah. Um we had a, a couple of really cool Bullseye interviews recently. Um one was with my friend Mark Marin, uh who folks might know as a comic and actor and podcaster. A really fun and deep conversation about um about what's been going on in his life, among other things, uh, a really brilliant stand-up special and his partner who passed away. Mm. Um, Mark Summers from Double Dare, telling the story of the time Burt Reynolds pied him on The Tonight Show. Okay. In an angry way. And one of the greatest artists of the American theater, as far as I'm concerned, Anna Devere Smith, who um, folks might know from her Her, like, journalistic solo shows, like uh, Twilight Los Angeles 1992, uh, which is in revival here in L.A., and Anna DeVere Smith, like, possibly the smartest and most insightful person who's ever been on Bullseye. Just a level of incandescent brightness that you cannot believe is real. And uh, if you want to learn something about theater and how it works and how to make it, you could hardly do better than that conversation with Anna DeVere Smith. I really can't say enough about her, her work, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, over on Jordan, Jesse, go. It's a bunch of me and Jordan swearing and saying gross stuff. So go listen to that if that's what you're into. Uh,
1: you You might say that it is two of the funniest people and oldest friends being as funny as funny people can be,
0: honestly, is what it is. So go listen to those shows. Let's get back to the stage of the Gothic Theater in Denver and Swift Justice with our pal the hilarious David Bory. Please welcome to the stage Christy and Andrew. Christy. Christy. Christy brings the case against her boyfriend Andrew. Andrew likes to play video games featuring Nintendo's famous hero plumber. Christy. <laughs> says, Luigi. Christy says he pronounces that character's name incorrectly. Judge Aww. Hodgman, you may proceed.
1: Hello, Christy and Andrew. Andrew, you like to play video games featuring Nintendo's famous hero
0: plumber? Nintendo's famous hero plumber. Uh, it says here on the paper.
8: It's
1: like a modern-day warrior poet.
8: Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I thought Jesse had been replaced by a chatbot. bot. Okay. <laughs>
0: David Borey, I think you would make a good king of the cowboy poets. Man, your lips to God's ears. Okay.
1: But Christy says that you say the name of this hero adventure plumber. What was it? Uh, That's Nintendo's famous hero plumber. Christy says that you say the name of this of Nintendo's famous hero plumber incorrectly. How would you say it? Let's say, for example, that you were this person. And you were saying it's me,
6: this person. I'm gonna start with this is a gotcha, but I would say it's a me, Mario. Wow. Yeah, I expected that.
8: How would you park the car at Harvard Yard?
6: I don't know on the green. Very reasonable. I. I'd do spot
1: hero and probably try to get a spot in the Charles Hotel garage. (laughs) Because I'm a bougie (laughs) asshole. (laughs) That's a gotcha. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Andrew. That was a gotcha. I gotcha. I got you. 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 That's, gotcha is me mispronouncing I got you. But it had to happen, Christy. How do you... Like, let's say you were a famous hero plumber and you were going to identify yourself. Like, oh, wait a minute. Are you Christy or, or who are you? No, it's, it's a me,
5: Mario. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I mean... This is why the fans were so upset that Christy didn't play Mario in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh,
8: can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah, please. What about his evil twin? How do you pronounce that name? Wario. Whoa. Way Wario. Wait a
4: second!
1: I call shenanigans on this guy. Andrew, do you, do you come from a place where this is how M- Mario is pronounced typically? Or? Yes, actually I do. Where um, do you come from?
6: So I, I grew up here, but I lived in um, New York till I was nine. Okay. Uh, Hudson River Valley, just north of the city. Sure. And that is how people Putnam say... Putnam County? Westchester County? Uh, Westchester, near Tarrytown. White Plains? Uh, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Yeah.
1: Right. The, the
6: Metro <laughs> North represents... <scared>. Yeah. <laughs> that is what
1: Sleepy Hollow is best known for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Metro North Station. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh,
0: guys. The terrifying story of the commuter train without a conductor. Guys, we got five minutes a case, so if we spend three minutes making local references to a place where we are not.
4: <laughs>
0: Look, I've been on the road for a week wearing the same underwear. Good luck, but I'm homesick.
1: Would you say that there in, 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 in Sleepy Hollow, uh, on, a, on, a, on a dark Halloween, everyone will be saying
6: Mario instead of Mario? Is that how it's said there, sir? It is absolutely how it is said there. Um, I feel but like... Oh. Well, I'm all right. I will ask the audience in a moment, please. Please finish your sentence. I want to point out there was a yes in there.
1: That's fine. That's, okay. They're also part of the audience. Great. Right. Yes. I'm just, I'm feeling kind of.
6: Try to hold both ideas at the same time. Okay, okay. You see what I mean? Um, but yeah, that is how I would say it there when I'm talking about the game. It is Super Mario World or something to that effect. I think if, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's how when it is. When you just said it
1: like that so casually, yes. it's like I hardly even noticed it was weird. It seems okay if that's how you grew up. Christy, why is this bad?
5: Because it's a person's name. So, like, different words can have regional pronunciations. But Mario, as you so started, he says his own name. Hell <laughs> yeah. And we need
1: to respect how people pronounce their own names, ah. right? <laughs> and one might argue that that extends even now to virtual people like video game characters and other AIs, right? Chatbot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think
8: about this, David Bory? I, I'm with you as someone who has a name that's often mispronounced. I think it doesn't matter regionally if I. T- he told you how to. He yells it all the time. He's like
4: Mario, Mario, Mario.
8: This is, you're not new to this. You know what it is. You're like, hey, Mario. That's not. It's not fair to anybody.
0: It would, be, it would be fair, to be fair, it would be fair to say Mario if it were a Nintendo platformer about former New York governor and several-time presidential candidate Mario Cuomo. That's true. <laughs> that's true, a video game that is begging to be made. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish there was a game about eloquence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, I think, David Bore, you make a point just by, just by saying, how did you say it? It's a me? It's a me, Mario. Yeah, That's not what you're saying, Christy. You're over here saying, it's-a-me, Mario. You didn't go. You didn't, do it his way. Okay. It's-a-me, Mario. Yeah, that's how you say it. This feels like we're getting into weird territory. <laughs> yeah.
8: I don't know. I think it's kind of hot. <laughs> that's what I meant. Weird
6: territory. Yeah. Yeah. That's right.
1: Andrew, does Christy say anything, quote-unquote, wrong?
6: Yeah, uh, they're from Wisconsin, so you can ask them wow. to say a word like, bag. Like, Bag. B-A-G? Like, yeah, like a thing you put things in.
1: Right. How would you say that word?
6: That would be bag.
1: Bag. <laughs> it sounds like you're made to say Mario. <laughs> that would be a bag. Yeah. Oh, I see. Correct. Any other Wisconsin things you want to, you want to uh, bring up to humiliate your partner on stage? Any wascro- Any proper now? Like she's idea. saying
8: words, right? It's right. Still names. Any names she says wrong? Yeah.
1: I'm not trying to shame. How do you say the name of the uh, actor Ed Begley Jr. Bank, right Ed Bagley Jr., right? Sure, yeah. Ed
5: Bagley Jr., who I totally know who that is.
1: Wow.
5: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I lost the crowd favor wow. so quickly.
0: wow Someone's not doing enough about the climate crisis. That's right. <laughs>
1: Somewhere in the world, Christopher Guest is showing emotion for once.
0: <laughs>
1: Just kidding, Christopher Guest. I love you if you hear this part. I can't think of a person. Let's go. So there was one person yelling in the crowd that in Sleepy Hollow, you do say Mario, Mario. Who is the one who said, who who takes that position? They're not speaking up anymore. What? What, 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 what? No. I know someone yelled, no, I'm getting to you, person. (laughs) Someone did yell yes. You heard it, right? I heard it. Who was the one who who yelled yes? They've left in shame. Now, vocal person halfway down in the back in the darkness who yelled, no, are you from Westchester County? Are you from Sleepy Hollow? Right, okay. (laughs) Tell you what, we'll go to the audience when it's time. (laughs) What would you have me rule if I were to rule in your favor, Christy?
5: Uh, I would like you to rule that he should stop saying this name incorrectly and also just to admit that he's
6: wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you resist that judgment? So my only thing is, I actually do pronounce, like, when I think about, like, the actor Mario Lopez. Sure. I have to actually... I'm sure you think about him a lot. Sure, yeah. Uh, Oddly, especially recently. Um, But I have to actually think about that and make myself make that change in pronunciation, which Mm -hmm. is, like, fine. I'm super okay with doing that for a real person. I I just don't think that the distinction between fictional character and real human is one where I need to, like worry about
1: but why it. do you say well oh, that's lazy
6: pal <laughs> sorry that's la-
8: that's lazy you don't want to start it's just as muddling much work. that up you know what I mean
1: who have you spent more
8: time with Slater or Mario
1: <laughs> yeah good point
6: <laughs> what would you have me rule if I were to rule in your favor Andrew uh, I mean, the general ruling would be just stop rolling your eyes when I do it, and just like, don't worry about it. How often is this even happening? Surprisingly often. Why like, are you always going around the apartment going, it's me, Mario? Sometimes I'm like, do you want to play some Mario Kart? Uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like go around like. Why using is Discord? Mario Kart so much worse than Super Mario yeah. World? <laughs> It was a bummer. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so, but the mean ruling would be, they have to say bag. They ha- every time they say the word bag, bag, they have to pronounce it that way. So you get Mario, you get to say, Mar- wait. Not like forever, but like, I don't know, the next two weeks. When they say the two word. Two weeks of bag? Yes. To understand yeah. how like, it actually well, takes you're gonna effort. Two, you're
1: going to get two weeks of bag. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sound good. Sounds better than two weeks of bag, though. <laughs> no offense. I love a Wisconsin accent. Here's what I think. I am loath to uh, uh, try to stamp out regionalism in how people speak, uh, the way that people grow up speaking in different accents is um, a, a fascinating reminder that uh, we're, we're a big country with a, with a lot of different experiences. And also, trying to wipe out regional regionalisms in speech often is pretty discriminatory. And it's saying that people are stupid because they don't talk the way I talk. Um, but Christy makes a good point. If, if Mario were here, and it's pretty clearly pronounced Mario, <laughs> I don't, that's, yes. It's also important to res, to respect how humans wish to be uh, you know how, how their names are pronounced and how they wish to be spoken of in the world and referred to in the world. Sadly, little Mario isn't here to defend himself. <laughs> I am going to, it's not like me to split the baby, but I'm 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 in a different mindset these days normally. Um you have Disney Plus? <laughs> you know I do. I do. Here I see the Star Wars shower andor. You ever see the Star Wars show Andor? I did. Yeah. Yeah. My my feeling is, and or why not both? When referring to the to the soon to be s- when referring when referring to the soon to be sentient being known as Mario, you must say Mario, as in it's-a-me, Mario, or look at Mario driving so swiftly in his Mario cart. <laughs> when referring to his cart, you may say Mario. But if only out of consistency, the hobgoblin of minds I like. <laughs> Since you say Wario, say it's-a-me, Mario. Mario Kart is acceptable, and you can say bag, bag, but do get to know the work of Ed Begley Jr. This is the sound of a gavel.
0: Christy and Andrew, welcome Adrienne and Claire. Adrienne brings the case against her girlfriend, Claire. Adrienne says her dog, Rosie, has hands. Claire says dogs only have feet. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed.
1: We have not met before, so I'm Adrian. Are you on my my left or your? Raise your hand if your name is Adrian. (laughs) Adrienne, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Adrienne, you claim that dogs have hands. Is that correct? I believe that my dog has cute hands. Okay.
0: (laughs) So noted. (laughs) Clarification noted.
1: What do other dogs have? Dirty stumps.
7: Um, You know, I think I'm only concerned with my dog and her cute hands.
1: All right. Why What is (laughs) Not my dog's nasty flappers. (laughs) (laughs) What is the name of your dog? Rosie. Rosie, okay. Um, What makes you feel that Rosie has hands where Uh, others, including the person you share your life with, would say otherwise?
7: So, it's about how she presents them to the world, mm-hmm. um, which is usually in, in this type and of a, configuration. So,
1: for the listeners at home, it's a it's a proffered cross-paw configuration, which is very adorable to see.
7: And also how she uses them.
1: Which cool. is, I'm sure, to sketch drawings, <laughs> do jigsaw puzzles. Smoke cigs. pop <laughs>
7: So she can shake with her right
1: and her left hands. She's ambidextrous. Yes. All right.
7: Um, she uses her hands like this when she tries to, you know, eat a toy, let use the, a bone, let the record sh- eat let, a carrot.
1: For the listener at home, uh, Adrienne is making the shape of the double face hugger. <laughs> to, to indicate how Rosie uses her quote unquote hands to lift what? What food to her mouth or hold balls or something? I toys, toys, carrots but you know, Captain.
7: using them to
1: okay, put I, food in her face. I couldn't believe face. that you had
0: we, said carrots Carrots
6: <laughs> She eats a lot of carrots I don't, per day.
0: It's really? very obvious from the gesture you were making that your dog is eating hoagies
1: <laughs> How sure are we it's a dog? <laughs> With her Not hair. to be that guy Good question, David Bory. Claire How sure are we it's a dog?
6: 90 percent, I think. 90 percent? Yeah.
1: I notice that uh, Adrienne refers to Rosie as her dog. Is it a shared dog, or is it... No, it's very firmly her dog. Right. And why does Rosie have not hands, but feet, which is also (laughs) debatable?
6: She spends a lot of time walking on them.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) So that's a lot of it. I mean, I would think that opposable thumbs are pretty much de rigueur.
6: Yeah, I think it's important when to... We rec- talk,
1: when we talk about typical hands, certainly lots of people have hands and don't have thumbs, of course. But I'm saying that's kind of how we basically baseline define hands, right, Claire?
6: Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that raccoons have very cute hands.
0: but And that's a distinction, you know. But raccoon's hands are also nasty flappers. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, big nasty flappers. Oh, hold on. Yeah, I just got some news we actually had a completely different set of people send in this exact same dispute. (laughs) It's a big Colorado problem. (laughs) Please welcome Rachel to the stage. Welcome
1: Rachel to the stage. (laughs) Rachel, you sent in the same dispute? Yes, I did. But about a different dog? Yes. What is the name of the dog you sent in your dispute about?
5: My husband's and my dog's name is Angus.
1: Angus. Okay, I heard something different now. <laughs> Angus, right, got it. got it. Okay, Angus. Do you know Claire and Adrienne? No. What is happening? <laughs> and where is your husband?
5: He's working tonight, unfortunately.
1: And where is your dog?
5: With my parents.
1: Does your dog have hands?
5: I like to think that hands can be a conditional state depending on what my dog is doing.
0: This is going crazy. (laughs) I think this is part of the airport horse's plan. (laughs) What are the conditions
1: under which your dog's paws magically transform into hands in a kind of like Catholic miracle way?
5: Angus also likes to hold bones while he's chewing them.
1: Hold bones? Mm-hmm. How often does he hold carrots?
5: <laughs> he doesn't like vegetables very much.
1: I see. Mm-hmm. And your husband disagrees with you? Yes. He would refer to those front appendages as? Feet. Feet. <laughs> Since he's not here to make his case, Claire... It falls to you to make the case for the world. <laughs> Why is it important to establish that these dogs, Angus and Rosie, and perhaps other dogs in Colorado, do not have hands?
6: I think it's really important for creatures that have hands to like, have that distinction. So you humans and, I don't know, raccoons as you've well. You've been sent by the raccoons. <laughs>
1: That's exactly correct. Yes, bought and paid for by the <laughs> raccoon lobby. You, I wouldn't put it past them. You found me out. Do you know we have an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, a metropolitan, large metropolitan area, David Bory. I've heard. And our apartment is on the ground floor, and we have a little a sliding door that leads out to a little a little bit of green space. Okay, like a little,
8: a, like a backyard. Like not
1: a backyard, backyard, but like a. A postage stamp of green. Okay. Like, and there's, you
8: got, like your bins out there and stuff? Say it again? You have your bins out there? Your bins. Like My your bins. You re- oh. recycle your trash no, bins. No,
1: no, no, no. We don't keep trash out there. Oh, it's, it's a, just
0: like... This, this is, is New York. They keep trash in big piles on the sidewalk for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They've figured out everything else about being awesome except for that. <laughs> they keep it next to the peak. I, yeah. I, I only make the
1: distinction because this is, you know, for the reason that in the story you'll understand. This is not a place where we store trash. Okay. This is just a little, a little tiny little miniature garden. And of a summer evening, uh, my wife was a whole human being in our own right, and I were playing the game Scrabble, and um, we had the, the sliding door open, but the screen door shut, you know, to let in the, the air, and we heard and we looked over, and this, this little furry monstrous hand <laughs> had slid the screen door open and a raccoon walked halfway into our apartment in New York City, looked around, and then backed out. And as it was backing out, it said, I hope you can know I can kill you at any time. I mean, you're lucky it backed out because I know traditional
8: raccoon law and that would have been his apartment. That's true, exactly. <laughs> he would have just been able Adverse
1: to... Adverse raccoon possession.
8: Yeah, that's an that's, that's a, that's a old case.
1: You don't want your dogs to have hands. Hands, <laughs> hands are the tools of monsters. Look at the world we live in.
8: All the I worst guys any, I know have hands.
1: I don't want any creeps. I don't want any creeps taking advantage of this information, but David Borey, I'll tell you in confidence right now... Thank you. Jesse and I are staying at a hotel in Denver that used to be a vocational school and is now a boutique hotel. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> this
8: country's doing great. <laughs> We're going to be just fine because they're fixing up the schools.
1: Yeah. Let's turn the... Was that bleak? I'm sleeping in a... I'm sleeping in a classroom where people used to learn how to design bridges and roads. They Mm -hmm. could get a middle-class life building infrastructure in this country.
4: And And now all I'm doing is watching
1: Don't Worry Darling at 2 a.m. eating a bunch of Pringles to do a podcast. The country's doing great. You know why? Hands. I'm being sarcastic. Hands. You don't want hands. Dogs don't want hands. That's why they have paws. This is the sound of a gap.
0: Thank you, Adrienne, Claire, and Rachel. Welcome, Caroline and Erin. Caroline brings the case against her girlfriend, Erin. Erin wants Caroline to accept part ownership of her cat. Caroline says that cat is Aaron's. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed.
7: <laughs>
1: Who seeks justice in this court?
7: I do, and Caroline. You are,
1: and you are Caroline. Yes. So w- what's happening here?
7: You have a cat or Aaron you don't have a cat? Aaron has, has a, cat. a cat. Right. Aaron's family adopted this cat in 2015. Aaron and I met in the fall of 2020. Okay. Aaron wants me to accept this cat as mine now that we have moved in together.
1: Well, congratulations on moving in together. I Thank hope you're you. having a great
7: time. Yes.
1: Aaron, why do you want Caroline to adopt your cat?
5: Um, I think it's cruel not to. Why? Well, my cat...
1: The cat doesn't care. The cat barely knows you're alive. That's not true. She's a very affectionate cat. Cats can be very affectionate.
0: They know you're alive. They're waiting for you to die, so they can eat you.
8: Get that sweet (laughs) cheek meat, you know? (laughs)
0: Barbacoa.
5: So, our dear cat Prudence. um, Yes. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence, yes. Not as in the column, but as in the cat. Right. Um, Our dear Prudence... um, I, is that
1: the cat's full name, our dear prudence?
5: <laughs> Just Prudence, but she is our dear cat prudence.
1: Well, no, she's your dear cat prudence our, ODP. Un- 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 <laughs> yeah. Until I order joint custody, <laughs> apparently. Which, which I do
5: hope you will. Um, so tell tell
1: me about our dear cat prudence. Our dear
5: cat prudence. Um so I during quarantine lived completely alone in an apartment. I was supposed to have a roommate, didn't have a roommate, and I was very lonely, and so my mom offered to just send the cat with me. Right. And so I took the cat, and I decided that I loved the cat so much, and having her in my home so much, that she should just be my cat. And my mom was like, cool, she's your cat. She was allergic to cats anyway.
1: It seems to me you're answering a question I didn't ask. (laughs) I didn't ask how is it that this wonderful cat, Your Dear Prudence, come into your life, but why do you want Caroline to be a co-parent to it? And how is it cruel that she isn't?
5: Well, this is part of it. The time that I brought the cat to my apartment and she officially became my cat was about a week before we met. Okay. Right, so she wasn't really my cat until about right around the time that we got to know each other.
7: And um, as Aaron likes to tell people, I essentially moved in. Uh, about a week after we met. Yes.
1: So you are identifying your relationship as with the cat and with Caroline as happening all at once. Essentially, it's the formation of a kind of throuple.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes, me and my dear girlfriend and our cat. <laughs> yes. Um.
1: It sounds extremely wholesome to me, honestly.
5: <laughs> it's fantastic.
1: But you're saying the, the cat and Caroline came into your life around the same time, so why yes. shouldn't there be a a bond?
5: Yeah, so essentially, I mean, the cat and Caroline came into my life at the same time, and also um, around the time that, you know, Caroline came into my life and she decided to make me her partner long term, and now we live together. Uh, she knew that the cat came with that. She knew that the cat was part of the deal, and so if she didn't want a cat, I probably wasn't the right person to be dating.
1: Whoa. <laughs> Um, this got heavy quick.
7: <laughs> She's really good at that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Sorry.
1: Essentially, essentially, you are putting, you are making an ultimatum. No. <laughs> you must, you must count this cat as your own, or we're not meant to be. Is what you're saying.
5: No, not, not necessarily. Okay. No no, but I'm just saying it probably wasn't, you know, not she in
1: didn't have so to... many words, yes, yeah. but she... in about the same number of words and meaning the same thing. Well <laughs> I can see.: That's a fairly emotionally manipulative thing to do, Aaron, if I may say. <laughs> Caroline, why do you hate this cat?
7: So, I very much love prudence. It's just, this was a cat that was part of Erin's life for, you know, five years before we met. And I feel like, if anything, I am a step-parent to her. And while I love her very much, I have no familial emotions. Classic
8: stepmom move.
7: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: It's
5: like Cinderella. I mean,
1: you have to enter into a blended family delicately. You
0: can't just be like, this is your new mommy.
7: Exactly.
1: Do you know what I mean. Exactly. Have you thought
0: about making the cat live in a tower <laughs> until a chair sure? grows long enough for someone to climb up and marry it, or at least
1: send it to boarding school?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: you guys can party.
4: Aaron,
1: normally we would be able to show photos mm-hmm. of the pets that we discuss on this show. Mm-hmm. Right now we don't have that capability, so I need you to paint a word picture of Prudence. Tell me what Prudence. Looks like, in a, 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 a typical prudence pose. Yeah,
5: so she's a domestic long-haired cat uh, with, with with long, fluffy gray fur and some white spots. Uh, and her her favorite way to be is to lounge very elegantly. Um, to look like a queen wherever she goes, Um, and also to sometimes just roll over on her back and just show off her belly to the entire world and stay like
7: that for two hours. Because belly up is very elegant. Yes.
1: Whoa. It is when she does it. Don't judge. (laughs) You find this cat disgusting. I was... I was, just, I was just caught up in this beautiful word painting of this wonderful cat. But it, it seems as though you do not. You're like, mm, that's not ladylike, dear. Listen mm. to your new mommy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we eat dinner at the table together. <laughs> do you? That would be cool.
5: Sometimes she likes to jump up there with us. Yeah, of course. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. But how else? Does she like to cuddle with Caroline?
5: Yes.
7: Yes, she does indeed. Um, she Caroline,
1: will. is this true or false?
7: This is true. She's very affectionate, as Aaron said.
1: And when she gets up on your lap or whatever, do you just put your arms aside and stare into the middle distance, I- expressing no emotion until...
7: As I said, I, I love her very much. I will pet her. I will caress her. I am not the kind of person who will like fawn over her and like my heart melts, but like I'll, I'll pet the cat if she sits in my lap.
1: That all sounds pretty reasonable. I mean, what more do you want from Caroline?
7: I want, I want maybe um,
5: a little bit more responsibility for the cat and her needs than what we're currently seeing.
1: I heard someone in the audience say with with cynical finality, cat box.
5: Yes. There was a point. Is this a
1: cat box cleaning dispute? you want Caroline to clean the cat I, box?
5: I don't think it necessarily should be boiled down to that, but there was a point where Caroline did say to me, see, see, Aaron, I love the cat, but if I claim her as my own, that means I have to help clean the litter box.
1: That's true.
5: <laughs> and that seems to be her only reasoning for not wanting to... Partially adopt the cat,
1: and a damn good reason it is.
5: <laughs> hold on, hold on. Now I will mention we also have a dog, and we live in an apartment. Okay, I we see. we take the dog out. What on... is the
1: name of this dog that you didn't even care to mention earlier? Tuna. Tuna. Yes,
7: yeah. our dear Tuna. <laughs> Whose
8: dog is Tuna?
7: Ours. Oh. Oh, no. oh
0: wow, wow.
7: We adopted Tuna a year and a half. Oh no. No, my math is wrong. Seven months after we met.
1: Okay, but you adopted Tuna together.
7: Together. Erin is insistent that we didn't, but we did.
1: Can you paint, Caroline, can you paint a word picture of Tuna for me?
7: Yes. Tuna is a scrap of a dog. She is a 10-pound terrier mix, coarse gray, and she only has three legs.
0: Aww. We don't have pictures of this f***ing dog? <laughs> I sent that. Jesse, Jesse,
1: <laughs> I don't want to upset you, but this, I'm is, uh, sorry, this sounds like a real scruffy dog.
0: Richard, when we said we didn't have enough money to pay for the projector, you didn't tell me there was a scruffy, three-legged <laughs> f***ing dog. <laughs> Jesus f***ing Christ. <laughs>
8: no, I'm hurt
4: too.
0: Because David... She said, it's a terrier mix. And I said, oh, is it going to be scruffy? She said, yeah, it's really scruffy. And then she said, it has three legs. It's a tripod f-ing dog, and I can't see it.
8: No, all I want to <laughs> do is see it.
1: Now, Caroline. Yes. Without referring to your notes or your phone, can you describe Prudence?
7: Yes. Prudence is a cat who is almost exactly the same size as Tuna. She has huge yellow eyes. I've heard enough. (laughs) You
1: describe your cat first in comparison to the dog. Yes. You love that dog and you're ambivalent about that cat.
7: I am not ambivalent about the cat. I just, maybe I love the dog a little bit more. Fair. (laughs) Well, somebody think of the children?
1: (laughs) I appreciate your honesty. Now, who walks the dog? Both of us. And uh, I presume in Denver you pick up that poop?
7: We actually are about an hour outside of Denver, but yes, we do.
1: Right. Okay, good. And would you say that that is
7: equally shared, those responsibilities, Erin?
1: Yes. Yes. So the only thing outstanding is that um, you have this elegant creature that poops in a box in your bathroom. Yes. And that's the problem. You want Caroline to clean up the cat box.
5: I want her to claim the cat as as her own with me, and part of that happens to be the litter box, yes. And if
1: she does not claim the cat as her own and clean the litter box, then it means she doesn't love you enough.
5: It means she doesn't love prudence enough. What? <laughs> and maybe a little bit by
8: extension,
5: me.
1: David Bory, what do you think about this? This is complicated.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
8: As someone Mm -hmm. who has a stepdad he's not a fan of, I'm going to say you guys probably got to do it like we did in my house and you're going to have to fist fight that cat. (laughs) (laughs) We're cool now.
4: If
1: if there was no tuna, if there was no shared dog, then I would feel very comfortable saying, uh, "Sorry, Aaron, you and uh, you and uh, Prudence are a bonded pair, and you can't force a cat upon someone else." But since you have, and I hate to say this, a fur child together already. <laughs> um, it is, it is not fair. It is, it is the stuff of the Am I the A-hole Reddit for you to come out and say, this is our shared dog and that is her cat. Because the thing is, animals are not humans. Fur babies are animal companions, not babies that you have. Sorry, I'm going to get jumped outside of the... Outside of the former vocational school. (laughs) Animals are not your children, but they are deeply, deeply sensitive creatures, obviously. And I happen to know that if a cat senses unfairness in your house, there shall be vengeance. (laughs) Probably in the form of toxoplasmosis. (laughs) Unless there is a medical reason for not cleaning the cat box... I think it would be nice for you to do it once a year. Otherwise,
4: <laughs>
1: take good care of your cat Caroline. She is part of your family just as Aaron is. And I hope that you all have an enjoyable time together here in outside of Colorado where you still pick up the poop.
0: Aaron and Caroline. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you to everybody who joined us on stage at the Gothic Theater in Denver. We are so grateful to all of our litigants who come and perform as part of our live shows. And a very special thank you to our friend, now Denver-based comedian, David Bory. David is not just a brilliant stand-up comic and not just a voice you hear sometimes if you subscribe to Paramount+. Plus. Oh,
1: really? <laughs> yeah, he
0: he does. He voices things on Paramount Plus. I think he's the voice of Comedy Central now. I think That's incredible. Kyle Kinane has seated it to David Borey.
1: Yeah, there was a ceremony.
0: Yeah, a brilliant stand up comic. Uh, he's also a hilarious podcaster. Um, if you've never heard the podcast All Fantasy Everything with Borey and uh, Ian Carmel and Sean Jordan, they are so funny. They do f- fantasy drafts of everything. And Borey now has. His own podcast uh, called My Mama Told Me with Langston Kerman, um, it, is, it is an investigation into black conspiracy theories, which I think is a fascinating subject. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, Langston, also crazy funny. But yeah, Bori, one of the funniest dudes ever. So go check out My Mama Told Me and All Fantasy Everything.
1: My Mama Told Me and All Fantasy Everything.
0: Evidence and photos from our show posted on our Instagram account at Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. Follow us there. Join the conversation about this week's episode on the Maximum Fun subreddit at MaximumFun.reddit.com. Thanks to Reddit user Scrotal Migraine for naming this episode's case. (laughs) Buy me subpoenas and Cracker Jack.
1: Can't deny that genius.
0: Judge John Hodgman, created by Jesse Thorne and John Hodgman. This episode recorded by our friend Matthew Barnard, produced by Valerie Moffat, Richard Roby, and Jennifer Marmer. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
6: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.